Hi, everybody. My guest today is Kathy. Kathy's trying to raise her 12-year-old daughter, Salome, in a safe and non-judgmental environment where they can speak openly about sex, puberty, bodies, and relationships. But some tension has arisen between Kathy and her own Ecuadorian mom because they never spoke about these things when Kathy was growing up. Let's get into it. Hi, my name is Kathy. I am a, a child of a biracial family, you could say. My mom uh, came here from Ecuador when she was 21 years old. And uh, my dad immigrated from the Midwest to Miami, <laughs> which, as you can imagine, was a big culture shock for him. In my family, we call my mom, mommy, and my dad, dad. When I was younger, my relationship with my mom was really great. She was like my protector. She was so affectionate. But then as I, you know, became an adolescent, it got, it got much harder. My mom found topics such as talking about, you know, sex or your period or sexuality just completely were not something that you didn't talk about, right? So my mom never talked to me about that stuff. You don't have sex until marriage, you know, even something like using a tampon was like, oh my God, you can't, you can't do that. I was growing up here with a completely different sense about like what was right. I mean, what she thought, right? And I was constantly telling her mom, like, stop trying to like push your ideas, like your shame around like sexuality and, and your body on me. Cause I don't feel that shame. I have a daughter now. She's 12 years old. Her name is Salome amazing, you know, open, confident personality. She's also dealing with a lot of the stuff that, you know, um, girls her age deal with, right? Like body image issues, self-esteem. And I'm very intentionally trying to not do what my mom tried to do with me. You know, we were in Ecuador visiting with some cousins and uh, my daughter, like, you know, jumped on her, on her, male cousin's back, like piggyback. And my mom was like, oh, Salome, what are you doing? Like, nice girls don't do that. And I pulled my mom to the center. I was like, mom, you will not teach that to my daughter. (laughs) You know, like I never do that with my mom, but I was like, you will not teach that to my daughter. You know, you will not teach her like that there is something wrong or shameful about the way that she's behaving. And you will not assume that there is something like inherently wrong or bad about what's happening here. Like, I don't like that. She's been raised um, with a lot of openness to talk about, about sexuality, about sex, about her body. I mean, Salome can, knows that she can ask me about anything and I will have a conversation with her about it. I want my daughter to be free to express herself. I don't want her to have any kind of like shame around her body, around her sexuality. I don't want that imposed on her. But then, you know, there's like the real world, right? And uh, the different pressures, the social pressure she has to grow up with. Another thing that I've had conversations with my mom about is my mom is kind of like, my mom's a wonderful person, right? Like she's also an amazing human being and a huge like, you know, source of inspiration in my life. But my mom, you know, also grew up with a lot of body image issues. So a lot of obsession with being thin. And that is something that caused 
a lot of harm to me growing up because I just always felt like my mom was always admiring thin women. You know, oh, pero mira que bonita, mira que delgada que es, right? And, um, and I wasn't, right? Like I was always like kind of, you know, struggling with my weight. Um, I love to eat, right? And so, you know, every time that my mom did that, my mom without telling me was saying something's wrong with you. And so I've talked to my mom. I was like, mom, please don't do that around my daughter. Like, please don't tell my daughter that there's only one way to be to be beautiful because I don't believe that. And I don't want her to think that either. I'm trying to teach my daughter about listening to her instincts, about understanding, you know, her, her own body. So these are all things that were never talked about with me. I'm raising two boys. So Kathy, trying to make body positivity, sex and sexuality, things her family can talk about without shame, really, really resonated with me. As we parent, how can first gen support and inform our kids about topics that were never modeled for us growing up? You know I had to call in an expert for this one. My name is Brittany McBride. I use she, her pronouns, and I am the Associate Director of Sex Education at Advocates for Youth. You heard Kathy's story. What did you hear as you listened? I was, I got goosebumps when I listened to Kathy talk and hearing Kathy's story. I took away from this very short clip that Kathy is a person who is very passionate about ensuring that her young child has the environment and the support that they deserve in order to navigate the life that they want to create. And I really appreciated her commitment to ensuring that that her child received the support that they needed. And unfortunately, it sounds like the support that Kathy did not receive growing up. Yeah, let's broaden out a little bit. The intergenerational dynamics present in Kathy's story, is that something you come across a lot? Absolutely. I thought about this. I was like, this is such a an amazing example of the cross-section of just like what it looks like right now to have sex education and have conversations around sex education and consent and uh, gender norms across generations. And what's so exciting about this is every generation that continues to come along continues to push the envelope in a way that creates a safer environment for everyone. I really enjoyed talking to Kathy because she's raising a girl. I'm raising boys. And I have taken basically a policy of, if you ask me a question, I will give you an honest and age-appropriate answer. And it was an adjustment. (laughs) So talk me through how parents, first gens, second gens, who want to not basically recreate the norms and taboos that we grew up with, culturally speaking, how can we ease ourselves in our parenting into enabling body positivity and self-empowerment and self-knowledge in our kids. I want to make it clear because people assume just because I do this for a living that it's easy for me. I'm a parent of two small children myself. I have a nine-year-old girl and a five-year-old boy. 
and it's difficult. And I do this professionally. So I first always encourage parents and caregivers to give themselves grace. You know, we are unpacking our own issues and experiences and we are choosing to make decisions to kind of to amplify the things that were really positive and find ways to make adjustments so that spaces where there was a lot of room for improvement, we can take advantage of those. So that's the first thing I tell parents, give yourself a little bit of grace. And so then secondly, I encourage parents to really identify those gaps where they're not as comfortable or as competent in the content itself. Not all of us are sex educators. Not all of us received sex education. So do some research, find some great resources where you feel really comfortable. The idea is that we have the ability to navigate and find information as needed because we want to make ourselves askable adults Figuring out how to navigate all of the information that's available on the internet is truly a skill. And then it allows the ability to model for our young people. You know, you're not going to know all of the answers to every question. Um, us as the adults in the situation, we don't know the answers to every question, but you matter enough to me. And it is so important to me that you get what you need, that I will find it for you if I don't know, and I'm going to get back to you. Um, and then the third thing is don't do it alone. We want to make sure that, you know, we're doing this in partnership with folks in the community, folks in our families, uh, the school. This is truly a partnership. And if we all kind of come together to ensure that our young people have access to what they need, we can really create a complete education for our young person so that they have the life skills required in order to create the lives that they want. I want to take a step back and ask what seems like an obvious question, which is why is it important in their development that we share and teach and have an open line of communication about sex and puberty and sexuality with our kids? This is all about ensuring that our kids have access to the tools necessary in order to get home to us safely. So I love to think of the analogy of, you know, my kids are nowhere near driving, but the day in which they are, if they were to ever get a flat tire, I would hope that they had all of the tools required to get home to me safely because ultimately that is what's most important to me. And while it might be a little bit challenging for some parents and caregivers to think of their younger kids as sexual beings, they are. And we're not always teaching our kids information with the expectation that it's going to be something that they need immediately. Never when I'm teaching sex education do I ever assume that the kids in my class are going to go out and immediately use that information within, you know, 20 minutes of receiving it. But I do know that if down the road, if they're ever in a situation where they need to make an informed decision, they can. They have the capacity to make an informed decision as opposed to have life happen to them. Mm -hmm. So as a parent, one of the things that I've learned, really, really learned, is that what you say really matters, but what you do matters a hundred percent more. And so how can parents model and exemplify healthy behaviors around sexuality and gender roles and expectations and body image ourselves so that our kids can see that in how we carry ourselves? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think 
for parents and caregivers, especially, you know, like the guests shared, it was all coming from a place of love. Like there was definitely, I took away how much uh, they respected their mom and how close they were with them. So I think it's about making a disconnect from the messenger and the message. And although that's your, you know, that was the mom and love mom, sometimes mom doesn't always share the right message. And knowing that us two, we're always going to make mistakes as well. So I think it's important about teaching our young people and then um, modeling for them, like we're not perfect. And even though I am the adult in this relationship with my the kids that I'm taking care of, um, I'm not perfect. I will not know the answer. I'm going to make mistakes. It's about modeling those opportunities where I have made mistakes and being able to apologize. It's about being able to keep an open mind so that if my kids do come to me and say, you know, the way that you communicated something to me earlier really hurt my feelings or it didn't have a good impact on the rest of my day, that I have an ability to actually hear that and not be defensive and not lean into the power dynamic of, you know, I'm the parent and what I say goes and I know what's best. Mm. I have two more questions for you. The f- this first one is a little sensitive because I my sons are 9 and 11. And since they could basically talk, I chose one word and I've made it nuclear. And the word is secret. I've said to them, if any adult, if any teenager, if anyone says to you that there is something between you that you have to keep a secret, that's your alarm that you have to run and tell me or run and tell your dad. That was for me the simplest way for me to create really an alarm system in case my children, God forbid, are ever in a situation where someone is trying to take advantage of them. So what other strategies or what other ways can parents communicate bodily safety when we're not around to protect our kids in a way that lets them know that they will be blame-free and lets them know that you will protect them if they come to you with information that someone else said might get them in trouble. Sure. Something that parents can do from an incredibly young age, from infancy, is equip our kids with the ability to communicate about their bodies in a way that other people can understand. I know for some parents, you know, the cute words of a purse and a cookie and all of those are a lot more palatable sometimes for parents, but it's so important to teach our kids the correct anatomy for our young, for their bodies so they can talk about it. Um, and so being able to communicate with a trusted adult, whether that be parent, caregiver, healthcare provider, whomever, that, you know, this part of my body is hurting. This is what I'm experiencing. Uh, This is different from my normal and really allowing them the ability to stand in that uh, ownership of their body. I can talk about my body. I have control over what happens to my body is really important. And then we have to respect our young people when they make decisions around their own bodies. It allows our kids to see that we are going to demonstrate for them respect for their own choices around their body. So if my daughter tells me, I don't want to hug, you know, uncle so-and-so, I don't want to hug aunt so-and-so, 
perfectly fine. And we're going to hold them accountable to that. And then we're going to hold our family accountable to that. And no one's going to make you feel bad if that's not what you want to do. Um, and so I think it's just about being accountable to that and then being consistent. And then finally, my last advice would be teaching our kids about consent very early. Um, I think it's a skill that anybody can learn, especially little, little kids. I'm talking three, four years old. And it's important to learn this skill so that they can practice it in a way where it becomes their muscle memory. So right now we're practicing consent with, you know, you you taking your siblings crayons while they're not looking and, you know, breaking a few and playing with them. But if we practice, you know, asking consent, if we practice getting a no and being disappointed about something where you really wanted a yes and learning how to manage our own feelings without being coercive to another person, once they then are able to find themselves in situations where it might be more of a sexual environment, they are able to then execute that skill with muscle memory in a way that will respect their partner and also demonstrate the amount of respect that they expect from another person. What are some of your go-to sources for information to save people from the Googles? Yes. Uh, so amaze, A-M-A-Z-E dot org is an absolutely fantastic resource. Uh, it's specifically geared towards middle school age kids, but we also have an Amaze Junior uh, for our little ones from four to eight. And these are really hilarious short videos packed full of information across a multitude of topics. And I love it because you can create a playlist and you can watch the videos and then the kids can watch it. You can watch it together. It just can start a great conversation. Thank you. Thank you so much. This was wonderful. Thank you for having me. All right, let's recap what we learned from Brittany. Be an askable adult. Get used to looking up things and learning things you're not familiar with so you can be a resource and a role model for your children on how to ask for information when they need it. Stay humble. Acknowledging you do not have all the answers and apologizing for your mistakes will help your family communicate more openly and vulnerably, especially about taboo subjects. And remember, get help. Find trusted adults in your kid's life, in your family, in your school, and in your community. You do not have to go at this alone. Thank you for listening and for sharing us. How to Talk to Mommy and Papi About Anything is an original production of LWC Studios. Virginia Lora is the show's producer. Kojin Tashiro is our mixer. Manuela Bedoya is our social media editor. I'm the creator, Juleika Lantigua. On Twitter and Instagram, we're at Talk to Mommy Papi. Please follow us and rate us on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Pandora, Spotify, anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts. Bye, everybody. Same place next week. <laughs>